This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Mark and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There is no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is a physical aspect of the disease after having that first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up that first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise helpless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show 
here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Would you like to introduce yourself and give us a quick sketch of who you are, age, how long you've been sober, occupation, family? I'm Tish and I'm an alcoholic. Um, I got sober in 2016. This is not my first recovery. Um, I have five children and I have 15 grandchildren. Number 16's on the way. Um, And for me and my family, alcoholism runs rife through all of us. I'm the only one in recovery. Could you tell us about your childhood? I grew up in Auckland um, with an alcoholic father and an alcoholic mother that said, you know, if I can't change him, I'll join him. Um, So it was quite horrific. Um, Lots of abuse, big fights, drink, alcohol everywhere, crates. I remember my dad had 24 crates and we used to steal them and go and sell the bottles for $2. Um, But he knew how many crates he had. Um, Yeah, so um, life was... I never knew there was any difference. I didn't know that how my parents drank was abnormal, you know. Do you want to tell us when you started drinking, how it progressed? Look, I I had always drunk the froth off my parents' drink all the time. It was normal. But when I did have my first glass, it was of Miami wine cooler. I was nine years old. We were sitting around the table learning dinner etiquette for my dad's um, Christmas break holidays for the children. And, um, yeah, I remember watching it and all the bubbles you know, coming up and I thought, Fanta, you know. And I we all ching drinks, me, my two brothers, my mum and my dad, and I threw the whole my head back and the whole drink went down one hit. And I remember I could feel the heat rising from my toes all the way up to my head and I this huge belch, you know, like a burp, and my mum smacked me and said, "You've got to drink like a lady." I've never drank like a lady, you know. I'm I'm alcoholic. How did your drinking progress? Like how and how, what habit of drinking did you have, like socially or binge drinking or in isolation? Look at the start. It was, um, you know, drinking with cousins, you know. Um, I had children really young, um, so I tried everything to, you know, like, go and have a good time, you know. So I had people babysitting my my children. I used to pay them big money. And, um, yeah, I, I don't ever remember stepping over a line as such. All I know is that once I had one drink, I needed more and more and more. It made me feel normal. It made me help. Um, it helped me to do lots of things, talk to people. Um, and I had always suffered with insomnia. And I am a blackout drinker, and that was the only way I knew how to sleep. Mm. Did you ever feel it was a problem, and did you ever try to stop? No. Alcohol wasn't the problem, it was everyone else. I um, I loved the drink, 
there was, you know, look, I, I dragged five children up in my drinking. I got sober when my baby was 18 months in Australia. Um, my mum took me to my first AA meeting, and that's because I drank everything in her house, you know. I was absolutely a real evil person when I drank. I'm not the person I was, you know. What made you realise that you needed help? I... Lots had happened. I had had a brain injury as the direct result of my drinking Um, because if I didn't take my life, I'd try and make somebody else do it. And um, I was on a bus. My 13-year-old daughter was across from me and she saw something. And um, I was, you know, paralysed practically on my left side with the brain injury. And um, I leaned forward to have a look And um, there was this poster, and it said, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. 0800 AA Works. And so on. there was the 9th of July. I rang through. I was half cut. Um, They told me that they'll take me to a meeting. And I said, no, no. Um, I'll go tomorrow. And I knew it was over. But one of the main reasons... That I um, that I said that is because I still had a six pack of bourbon and um, a six pack of lime brown in the fridge, and that's how I drank. I have two hands, so I had two cans. You know, that's the madness and how I drank. Could you describe um, how you made your way to your first AA meeting and what that was like? So it was the tenth of July, twenty sixteen, and I knew it was over. Um, the 10th of July is actually my birthday, my belly button birthday as well. Um, I went, I um, never had a, I didn't have a car. I bussed all the way into town and I went to a Sunday fellowship meeting and there was this little old lady there and she just said, welcome, we've been waiting for you. Well, and can you tell, tell us about how you felt at the meeting and how members helped, made you feel in the meeting? Look, that little old lady was beautiful. She told me that I had to go to as many meetings as I can and find my people, um, and I needed a sponsor. And um, I went around. I did two meetings every day, except for Saturday and Sunday. I did three because I was scared. I, I'd never gone cold turkey without, you know, I, the la- the first time was. Um, rehab over in Australia but here you know I just cried I cried and cried and cried because I I lost my best friend but you know it had turned on me and my best friend was a drink it came before my children it came before my grandchildren and you know it's like somebody mourning that's how I felt at the start and I just held on to everybody, they told me no matter what, hold on get into the middle of AA do service so I started washing cups at meetings and I learned how to talk to people Mm. Yeah, just further to that, could you tell us how you've managed to stay sober? I have a God in my life who honestly 
has looked after me my whole life. You know, I've looked at it in so many other ways that I don't know how I am here today, but it's for the grace of God that I'm here. Um, I have a sponsor. I have a home group. I do service. I'm a GSR. Um, I'm doing service like this, you know, sharing the message that Alcoholics Anonymous can help you if you want to stop drinking. Can you tell us about some of the challenges you've had or difficulties you had within the fellowship? I think the difficulties is myself. That's where the problem starts. Um, I just know that if I talk to other alcoholics about what's going on, they get it. Um, they get my madness. And the wonderful thing is, is that we're not all mad at the same time. You know, there's some well ones. And and when I'm mad, I always find well people, you know, and I talk about what's happening. Mm. Thanks. Can you tell us how service has been a part of, an important part of your recovery? Without service, I'd be so self-centred. You know, like I said, this is my second recovery. In my first recovery, I never did anything. I drank coffee. I never did cups. I never washed cups. And that was the first step in my recovery on how to live sober, how to talk and communicate without alcohol. And, you know, I've progressed from washing dishes. I still do it. But I'm, I'm more into going to institutions and talking about the illness of alcoholism. Nice. How would you describe yourself in your life today? If there's a saying in the big book, rocketed or catapulted into the fourth dimension, Bill W. was right. That's how I feel. I, my life isn't in my old life or, you know, trying to be scuffed out all the scuff marks and da-da-da. This is my new life. This is my life of recovery. I have my children in my life today. They trust me with my grandchildren. I talk with my grandchildren, you know, and I'm I'm a better person in society than I ever was before. Mm. And um, how's your life changed since becoming sober? Like, um, like yeah, like for relationships or work or it's changed dramatically. Um, I am a member of my family today. Um, my family never ever wanted me around because I'm a violent alcoholic. I drink to blackout. I hurt others because I'll hurt them before that they hurt me. And, um, yeah, today I look at my family and I love them with all the illness, you know, the malady of alcoholism. I never liked them when I first got sober. I actually really hated them. Today I can talk with them. And I remember an older sober member saying that I'm probably the only big book walking that they'll ever know, you know, because... That's the, that's the thing. I'm sober, but for the grace of God, my family are still drinking. My children, like I said, it's, it's a family illness. And um, I just have to love them. Thanks. Any goals for the future? 
I've done bus driving. I um, am a chippy. I come down here as a geographical. And um, whatever God's got got planned for me, I'm good with it, you know. And AA is described as a spiritual program, not a religious program. What does spirituality mean for you? My God is God Almighty, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But other people, I know that they have the sea, a tree, a group of drunks, great outdoors, you know, as their God. The wonderful thing is they can have that, and so can I. I have mine. What would you suggest for any listeners who may be um, suffering from a drinking problem? 0800 AA Works. Give them a call. Find your nearest group, your AA group. It's online, uh, aa.org.nz. And what questions would you ask someone to help them decide whether they need help? I cannot tell somebody that they're alcoholic it has to come from them my my thing is I'll take them to a meeting you know and let them make the decision for themselves nice Tish thank you for so much for coming and being on the show and sharing your story with us God bless for our listeners if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There is over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, God, grant me me the serenity to accept the things things I cannot cannot change, courage to change change the things things I can, and wisdom wisdom to know the difference. difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.